0: Start. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. It is a wonderful day and a wonderful way to celebrate Christmas by being together with God's people because throughout history, on Christmas, at the Advent season, the coming of Christ, we have, as the church, celebrated uh, three primary comings of Christ or three concepts of the coming of Christ. Christ. One was His coming as a baby in the manger. Um, And let me emphasize, that was not the beginning of Jesus Christ. That was simply the beginning of His physical expression as the Word. The Word was made flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Christ has preexisted for eternity. So this was not the beginning of Christ. It was the birth of Christ, but we celebrate that. The church has celebrated the coming of Christ in the hearts of His people in this world. We are the presence of the Spirit of Christ is in us in this world, and we celebrate that, but we also celebrate looking forward to His second coming, to the advent as He fulfills what will take place. And I hope that we'll be able to do that some this morning to celebrate and think about uh, the entire celebration and experience of Christ's coming in this world. You know, there are times in this Christmas season when uh, we don't quite get the full experience of a gift. Sometimes gifts aren't gifts aren't received as they are intended. Now I know that sometimes that's not always the case with you. Sometimes you give a serious gift and it's received as a gag gift, and sometimes you give a gag gift and it's received as a serious gift. There was a lady that had three sons that grew up. She was very poor. They became very wealthy. And so each one was trying to outdo each other for the gift that they would give their mother for Christmas. And so the oldest son was bragging and he said, well, he said, I bought mom, she's lived in that little shack for so many years and I had a great mansion built for her to live in. And the second son said, well, that's, that's nothing. I went out and because she can't get around on her own anymore, I bought her a, um, a really nice car and hired a chauffeur for her just for her use. And the third son said, the youngest son, of course you know the youngest in the families are always the best in any family, not to stir up any trouble on Christmas morning. The third son said, I've got you both beat. He said, mom is a Christian lady and she loves the word of God. Because of her eyesight, she can no longer read the scriptures. And so he said, I bought a parrot for her that had memorized the Bible so she could hear the Bible being spoken to her. And so that after Christmas, each one of them got a card and the oldest son got the card and mom said, dear son, thank you so much for the house, but it's way too much beyond what I need. It's really not helping me any. I'm living in one, two little rooms and that's all, you really overdid it. And the second son, she said, I really don't drive that much anymore and I don't go anywhere. And besides that, the chauffeur you hired is just rude. And the third son got a note that said, Dear son, thank you for knowing exactly what I wanted for Christmas. The chicken was delicious. (laughs) When it comes to the gift, the gift of Christmas, I fear that there are times that we don't experience it as it was fully intended. There is part of what we celebrate and what we focus on that we have experienced. We are thankful for our salvation, but there is much that is yet to come. And we best celebrate Christmas, not just by looking back to Christ's first Advent, but looking forward to His second Advent, to His second coming. We celebrate most appropriately when our remembrance is seasoned with our anticipation with excitement about what is yet to come. As we think about this, I want you to see this verse in Luke chapter 2. This is our last of these Christmas causes that we are looking at. On earth, peace. You know the surrounding verses, so I'm not going to read the entire section of Scripture and text of Scripture. But the angels are speaking to the shepherds. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest. And here's our, our phrase. And on earth... It goes on to say goodwill toward men, but on earth, peace. Peace on earth has been misunderstood by this world. They think of, generally when you hear that around the Christmas season, you think of world peace. They think of a cessation of of international and international conflict, that everybody's going to get along, that everybody's going to quit fighting and political parties will quit fighting, and ideological camps will quit fighting, and nations will quit fighting, and there will be peace on earth. But the peace that Christ brings, the peace on earth that Christ brings, far exceeds anything that this world has conceived of. Christ comes, and He brings the peace of His cross. And without the peace of the cross, there can be no peace on this earth. Jeremiah chapter 29, when he admonished God's people to seek the peace of their city, something we seek to do. We want to bring peace to our neighborhood, to our city, to our counties. But apart from the peace of the cross, there can be no peace on this earth. And the peace that Christ brings, brings blessed peace for us now and one day will bring eternal peace when he comes as The Prince of Peace. Aren't you looking forward to that day when Jesus will come as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, He will bring the peace. You see, the peace of Christmas is found in the promise of Christmas. The promise of Christmas is that God is active in this world and it did not end with the life of Jesus Christ. It did not end with the physical existence of Jesus Christ. It is an eternal work that will take place in the future. The the culmination... Of the gift will be completed. The peace of his coming at Bethlehem, of course, is the peace of the cross, that he came so that we might be at peace with God. He has reconciled us to himself. I am glad that today I can stand reconciled to God. I am at peace with God, I am no longer God's enemy. We don't like to think about that. We like to think, yes, God does love the world. But the Bible also says that we were enemies of God before we were saved. We were at enmity. We were at war with God. But I'm glad that that is no longer the case through Christ's coming and through the peace of Calvary. I have been made nigh to God through Jesus Christ. And that's the blessed peace of His coming at Bethlehem. The peace of His coming coming in His people, His presence in us, that He is in this world through His people, the Spirit of Christ that rests in us. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It's, it's peace, love, joy, and peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. I'm glad that in a season when many of us cannot be at peace, many of you are not at peace because you are, you are grieving and you are sorrowful over someone who is no longer there. You're having, I was thinking this week about the the song, that great Christmas carol masterpiece, I'll have a blue Christmas without you. We sort of joke about that song, but there are those who experience a blue Christmas because there are those who are no longer here, and it's at this season that they're reminded of that. The only way that you can have peace in that moment is through the peace that God brings to us. I am glad that he brings that kind of peace and we can experience that peace. Not in the constant, not in the constant freedom from turmoil, but in the midst of peace, the peace in the midst of our turmoil. That's the kind of peace that God brings, that Jesus brings. And he brings peace through his people. That we can seek the peace of our city, that we can share the message of peace. We can Proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace, the Bible calls it. And that is the peace that comes through his people and his coming in us. But I think about the peace of his coming again, the peace that he will bring. He will establish his kingdom. Isaiah chapter 9 says, of his kingdom there shall be no end. We live in a time and there's in our world... There are moments of peace. There are moments when there's a little bit of people getting along. Over a hundred years ago on this day, in 1914, at the beginning of World War I, troops from both trenches in Europe, the Belgians and the French and the British and the Germans came out of their trenches to gather together. It started, by many accounts, on the night before when one soldier began to sing a Christmas carol in his own language. And when he would finish, when the Germans would finish, the British would sing one of their carols in in English. And all through the night, they would sing these carols back and forth until at least in one spot, the English began to sing, O come, all ye faithful. And the Germans began to sing the same song, and they both began to sing together. And it was a moment of of peace, and the next morning they, they flowed out of their trenches and they greeted one another with Merry Christmas, and they exchanged gifts and presents with each other right in the middle on the battlefield, days before they had been shooting at each other, and now they're greeting each other. It's called the miracle of Christmas, the miracle of silent night. They began to greet each other, and they began to talk, and they spent time together all through Christmas Day, played soccer together, and and sat around the fire and sang songs and met old acquaintances that they had not seen in years. At the end of that day, they went back to their trenches. That war would go on and 15 million would be killed in it. You see, that story resonates a hundred years later. People still talk about it because there is a desire in the heart of man for there to be some kind of peace. But that peace was not total. On that same day, while soldiers were greeting each other and welcoming each other and wishing each other Merry Christmas, there were spots along the line where the battle continued. And as soon as that day was over, they went right back to their battles and their wars. And it was the last time because of the conflict and because of the carnage, it was the last time during those four years that that would happen. And not everybody appreciated it. We, we say, wow, that's a miracle, that's wonderful, that's the way it ought to be, that's what Christmas does. But there were those who said that's not what it ought to be. In fact, one young private in the German army said this should never take place on a battlefield. Of course, his name was Adolf Hitler, so that tells you a little bit where his perspective was coming from. It's a reminder that the war to end all wars was not that. And that's the kind of peace that man is striving for. But there will come a day when there will be total and permanent peace on earth. And it will come with the return of Jesus Christ. It will come with His return. I want to give you two simple truths this morning about the unfinished business of Christmas in Christ's second coming. The first is is that the promise of Christ's second advent is as certain as the fulfillment of the first. The promise of his second coming and that ultimate peace, that permanent eternal peace, is just as certain as the prophecies of the first. Think about some of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Those that spoke of Christ's coming, there are parts of those promises that have not yet been fulfilled. And one day they will be fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, And a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And it shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth." That part has taken place. Jesus has come. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him for the poor. He quoted that verse when he stood in the, in the synagogue and he said, Today this verse is fulfilled in your eyes. But listen to this part He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness in the girdle of his reins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. He goes on to describe all this that's going to take place. This is something that has not yet taken place. You see, there's this prophecy And it's like if you're standing at a distance looking at the mountains, and you see the mountains as one whole, but what you're actually seeing is one that's closer to you and something that's farther away. And a part of this prophecy was close. The part of this prophecy was the first coming of Christ, and we rejoice in that peace, and we rejoice that He was the one that the Spirit of the Lord was upon But we're also looking forward to that day in the far future when christ returns and when the lion will lay down with the lamb and the prince of peace will bring peace on this earth at his return isaiah chapter 9 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Christ has come. A child has been given. But His government has not yet been established. His His kingdom is at work in this world. His People are at work in this world, but we look forward to the day when this, process, this prophecy and this promise will be fulfilled. And the promises, the same promises, are those promises that Christ, that a child would be born and a child given, have those been fulfilled, yes or no? Three people of y'all think yes. I'm going to assume the rest of you think no. Let's try that one more time. Have the promises of a child being born been fulfilled, yes or no? Yes. yes, that was a little bit better. And I not only heard more, I heard stronger. That was, that's even more encouraging. Yes, they have. That's what we're celebrating. Those promises are true. Those promises are fulfilled. And because of the connection of these prophecies and promises, the prophecy of what is yet to come, of Christ's second coming, is just as certain and just as sure as the first, and yet we live and we celebrate as if the first coming happened and those prophecies were true and those promises were sure, but do we live as if the prophecies and promises of his second coming are just as sure and certain? And that's really the second truth. I won't take the time to go through the New Testament verses that speak about Christ's coming, Christ's return, but the second truth is is that we should live with the same sense of expectation for his second coming as we are certain of his first, and as the faithful lived in expectation, those of that day that were waiting for Christ to come, Christ is going to come. Does that make a difference in the way you live your life? Does it make a difference? Do we really, we say we believe Christ is coming back, but do we live as if he could come back at any moment? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Now, I know we we debate, and there's been debates for centuries on what day Christ was actually born. Was it December 25th? Was it January the 6th? Was it April? We have all kinds of questions and debates, but let's just imagine just for a moment that this was the day that Christ was born. It's not hard to do if you try. And let's imagine that Christ comes back on this day. Can you imagine what that would be like? What a great way to... Sell. Now, some of y'all are hoping that you get to open your presents before Jesus comes back. I know how you are. Some of you are really glad you opened them this morning. Well, if Jesus comes back before I get home. Let me tell you what, if Jesus comes back, you're going to have something far, far better than any presents you can have on this earth. And to be, in his, to be with him, we love celebrating with our families. But think about the family we would see when we stand with Jesus those loved ones that have gone. So that's Christ's coming. Let's live. If it's just as certain, let's live with the same expectation of his second coming as the faithful people did looking forward to his first coming. When we think about what Christ has done in his first coming, the first coming was great, but the second will be even greater. Because of what Christ began in his first coming, he will conclude he will finish it in the second and we live in that anticipation in between we live in that moment in between one of my favorite carols we sang it last night at the at the starlight service is i heard the bells on christmas day i didn't understand that until i don't know 10 or 15 years ago i just never thought much about the song i thought it was just another one of those christmas carols that didn't make a whole lot of sense and you know, sort of like I saw three ships come sailing in to Bethlehem. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't really understand some of these songs. They don't make a whole lot of sense. And then, then I heard the story. You know the story behind I Heard the Bells, written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. At a dark, dark time in his life, his wife has died. His son has been injured in the Civil War. The nation is torn apart, ripped apart. And there's anger and there's animosity and there's darkness. And he sits down and he writes... I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old, familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to man. Isn't that wonderful? That's what the songs say. We hear them this time of the year, and they speak of peace, but as he is in the midst of war and the nation is in the midst of the war, he writes these words. He said, In despair I bowed my head. There is... No peace on earth, I said. And if we're honest with ourselves and look around our world today, we see nations at conflict. We see people at conflict. We see families in conflict. We see constant division between friends and neighbors and people. And we would have to bow our head. He said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. There's a lot of folks who are discouraged and depressed in the holiday season because of that very thing. They look around, and the very message of the gospel and the message of peace seems to be mocked by our reality. But he goes on to write that third verse, and it may be one of my favorite verses in all of caroldom, if that's a word. He said, in despair I bowed my head. He he writes that that third stanza, then... Held the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth He sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What is that message of that verse? The message of that verse is that God is alive, and God is awake, and God is active in this world. And what he began in Bethlehem, he will one day finish when the right will prevail. We look around us, and it seems like the wrong prevails. It seems like right is failing, but there is peace on earth, goodwill to men. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. And what he has begun, he will finish. What he started at Christmas, he will finish when he comes again. That is the blessedness. It is yet to come, but the wrong shall fail, and the right will prevail. And there will be peace on earth, goodwill to men. You see, in Christ's first coming, he came as a helpless baby. But when he comes again, he'll come as a conquering warrior. In his first coming, he came by natural means, he came by the birth of a child. But in His second coming, He will come by a supernatural manifestation. In His first coming, He came to be with us for a lifetime. But when He comes again, He will come to be with us forever and us with Him forever. In His first coming, He came weeping for our sin and our sorrow and our unbelief. But when He comes again, He will come wiping away all tears from our eyes. In his first coming, he came to where we are, but in his second coming, he will take us to where he is. In his first coming, he came to die as a sacrificial lamb, but when he comes again, he will come as a sovereign king. In his first coming, he came for our justification, but when he comes back, he will come for our glorification. In his first coming, he came in obscurity, a tiny little manger, in Bethlehem, in a backwater town. But when he comes again, the Bible says, every eye shall see him and every eye shall behold him. He came in his first coming despised and rejected, but when he comes again, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When he came the first time, he was born as king. But when he comes again, he will rule as king of kings and lord of lords. I look forward to on this Christmas Day as I celebrate with you His first coming. I rejoice that Jesus Christ is coming again. It reminds me of another old song. Marvelous message we bring, glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again. There's another old song I I just came to my mind. I've got songs running through my head this morning. What a day that will be When my Jesus I shall see Sing it if you know it When I look upon his face The one who saved me by his grace When he takes me by the hand And leads me through the promised land What a day, glorious day that will be... Father, we thank you for peace on earth. And though may we may not experience it and see the peace that will come, Lord, we have experienced peace with you. And I pray this morning that if there's anyone here, even on a Christmas Sunday morning service, that has never experienced peace and salvation, that this will be the day that they will experience your peace. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that have found that peace, but they are struggling because they are not at peace in their hearts and minds. And I pray that you will bring peace to them today. And Lord, I pray that in our celebration, we will not only rejoice in the peace on earth that was sung about 2,000 years ago, but Lord, at some point in the future, unknown to us, you will step out and you will return and you will bring peace to this earth. And we look forward in hope and joy and anticipation for that day when we will be in your presence. Father, I pray that we will experience that peace on earth, in this place, this moment.